Welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy with our host, Steve Butler. On today's program, our series entitled, The Second Coming Versus the Rapture, as he opens God's Word to study the difference between the rapture and the second coming. It's time to explore Bible prophecy. Hello and welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy. In today's program, we're going to pick up where we left off in the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 5. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to John, chapter 5. And also, um, if you are with us for the first time, uh, listening with us for the first time, or you've only been with us for a short while and have not had the opportunity to go to the radio station website, whcbradio.org, Uh, You can go there and look for Exploring Bible Prophecy, and you will find a handout dealing with this series that we've been in for a number of programs, exploring the differences between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ, two very different and uh, specifically separate events, uh, and it's important to understand the aspects of each one, and just as importantly to know that they are two separate events involving two different groups of people. So we are in point number five on that chart um, uh, that you can get from the radio station, and it's about Jesus uh, appearing to church-age believers only. And we have been unpacking uh, the aspects of the rapture and the second coming after going over the uh, the general nature of both of those events in, in uh, points one, two, and three, then in four, Um, getting into the specifics, and this is the second point to be made here about the rapture, in this case, for our program today, dealing with the fact that only the uh, people involved in the events see Jesus. Now, it's about the rapture in this particular point, but I am making, uh, using some background information from the New Testament about Uh, some type and shadow of what we would experience in the rapture was actually involved uh, with the people who lived at the time of Christ's resurrection. So at the point of resurrection, we know that he um, took on his glorified body and actually walked among the people of Jerusalem as well as the Galilee, uh, because we know that he went up in in, Jerusalem talk to Peter and so forth uh, when they were fishing up there after his resurrection. So we know that Jesus got around for 40 days in his glorified body. So he's actually an example to the church of what a glorified body would would look like because we know that in our glorified bodies, when we come back with Jesus to the earth at his second coming, we will be here uh, ruling and reigning with him because this is where he will be for a thousand years on his throne in Jerusalem, and we will be ruling and reigning as individuals somewhere on this earth um, relative to the people who are living on the earth who make it through the tribulation and who are judged as righteous. They'll be living on the earth in their uh, earthly bodies, what I call their Adamic bodies. In other words, you cut them, they bleed whereas we will be here in our glorified bodies, which we have, as Jesus said, flesh and, blo- flesh and bone, but um, there's nothing says that we have any blood because we're in a glorified body. But we will be ruling and reigning with him 
at that point in time, but there were people that experienced him uh, in his glorified body way back in the first century, and that's what we've been exploring here in uh, the last few uh, programs at point number five on our handout about having spiritual eyes to see if you are a believer and you, as an unbeliever, you would not have those spiritual eyes, so you would not see things that God wants to reveal to you. And um, we've been in 2 Corinthians 5 making the point about how we don't see Jesus in the flesh anymore, uh, but if from a spiritual perspective, uh, then in John 14, how the Holy Spirit indwells us and controls us and allows us to see these things that the unseeing, that the unbelieving world can't see. And then in Matthew 13, the point is emphasized by Jesus to the apostles that the unbeliever has eyes to see but can't see because they have the eyes to see the physical world, but they can't see the spiritual things of God because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And we also emphasize that uh, he said that those who have will have more and will have it in abundance. And, of course, that's not talking about earthly uh, possessions. It's talking about spiritual knowledge, uh, being a part of the body of Christ and growing in the body of Christ, maturing as a Christian. And all we have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to guide us into an understanding of the Scriptures, and he will feed us and feed us and feed us until we have an abundance and at that point, that's when you're called a mature Christian. Now, don't misunderstand understand me. We'll continue to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. Uh, that's called sanctification uh, until we see the Lord face to face. That's called that's called glorification. So we are in a learning mode, and the only reason that you're not learning more, precious Christian, is because you are not asking the Holy Spirit to show you more. Uh, you are, uh, you can be, I should say, what the Bible calls a stumbling block to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit wants us to have an understanding of all things, John 16 tells us, but we can be a hindrance to the leading of the Holy Spirit who wants to be work in us and through us uh, to give us the, uh, the hands and the feet and the mouth of Christ, if you will. So, uh, being about the work on the earth, uh, what you do, how much you do, and so forth, has to do with whether or not you are open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I pray that uh, you would consider that, and as we go through this, that you would be um, uh, manifested. Uh, this would be manifested to you in a way that you would be excited about growing in your knowledge of the Word, excited about exploring God's uh, Scriptures so that you can grow, and as you grow, that pleases God. And why are we on the earth? To please God, according to the scriptures. So let's, um, let's continue on in John chapter, uh, chapter 11. And we're talking about uh, Jesus interacting with Mary and Martha about their sick brother Lazarus. And of course, Jesus is using this as, as an example to show the, the value of faith in him uh, if you see him as the Son of God, which Mary and Martha do, um, we see that in chapter 11, verse 4, that uh, he will show them glorious things that the world can't understand, and that will be the uh, the, the uh, rising from the dead of Lazarus. 
So we found out in the early parts of chapter 11 that Jesus knew that Lazarus was sick. Of course he knew because he's God. But uh, he's been informed of that by the relatives, and he is purposely delaying. Verse 6 says he stayed two days longer in the place where he was, and he did that purposely because he wanted Lazarus to die. And the point in letting him die was that he was going to show his glory to those around him, but particularly to those who believed that he was the Son of God and that he had, as the Son of God, life in him and that he was the giver of life. So let's move on down here and uh, uh, interact with Martha. And we made the point in, in the last program here that even though Martha had faith in Jesus. She recognized Jesus as the Son of God. She still was exposed to the presence and the power of Satan, who was hating everything that was going on here because it had to do with the Son of God, his mortal enemy, since um, the curse on him back in Genesis 3.15, that he was trying to play with Martha's mind into thinking that, hey, you know, Jesus, if you had been here sooner, my brother would have lived. Um, yet she says, starting in, in verse 21, Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, verse 23, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when she said she had said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. So they, uh, they go to him. I wanted to make a point here in verses 25 and 26. I don't know if you caught that as uh, you were reading it uh, or I was uh, speaking it to you. Listen to what he says in 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. So what he's saying here in 25 is that if you believe in me and then you physically die, you will be resurrected again to eternal life. And that, of course, we're, we're talking about um, the rapture. If you die during the church age, or at the end of the, the uh, tribulation when the Old Testament saints who had faith before Christ, when they're raised uh, to eternal life, or the tribulation saints, those who came to faith in Christ during the tribulation and died for their faith, they would be resurrected again from the dead to eternal life. And that's what Jesus is basically, if you will, prophesying about here because all of this, the rapture of the church, the second coming resurrections and so forth, have, have obviously not happened yet, not even in our lifetime, but certainly not 2,000 years ago. So he's making the point to her that if you die, you will live again if you have faith in me. And then look at 26. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
So basically what he's saying here is he's he's looking all the way forward to the rapture of the church specifically because at the rapture of the church it's the only time when a person living on the earth at the time of the rapture will never taste death because they will be raptured in their physical mortal body and have it turned into an immortal body uh, at the time of the rapture. So he's basically talking about um, the rapture of the church here in uh, verses 25. Uh, Verse 25 is the rapture of the church as well as the Old Testament saints and the tribulation saints. And then he's talking just about the rapture only because that involves the church-age believers who are alive at the time of the rapture. So there's some some wonderful prophecies, some wonderful truths that we find about the glorious um, rapture that has uh, yet to take place uh, and prayerfully in our lifetime uh, because there's no event that has to take place before that. So it's an imminent event uh, in the life of the church. So he's, he's giving her these, these uh, comforting words about Lazarus, that uh, even if Lazarus has died, which Jesus has allowed him to do, and of course Mary being upset, so he's trying to comfort her, that even though Lazarus has physically died, he will not uh, be dead forever, that he will be resurrected. And she recognizes that as such. So we, uh, we see that in uh, the, the verses of John chapter 11, verses 21 to 28. We see that in our handout. Let's now look further down in John chapter 11 for some more edification. It says in uh, John, 40, or John 11, verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And there's so much in that statement right there, not only relative to this specific event, because Jesus is using the occasion of the death of Lazarus to allow uh, Martha, in this case, he's talking to Martha. She's saying that, you know, there's going to be a stench here because he's been dead for four days. You have delayed and he has died and he's been dead four days. Jesus is doing this specifically because no one Uh, there at the time, and there were people that had come from Jerusalem to see this event. Uh, He was using this as an opportunity to tell the people about who he was, that he was the giver of life, that he was indeed the Son of God that they were were looking for, and he's he's waiting for this body to decay so that it's um, palpably obvious that this man is dead, that he's not in there sleeping, he's not in the cave faking it, but he's truly dead because he smells like he's dead. So when they roll that stone away, that's what's going to happen. He's done all this to show that if you have faith in him, that if you believe that he is the Son of God and he's the giver of life, that you will see the glory of God. And of course, what was the glory of God? It was going to be the resurrection of Lazarus. So let's look down following our handout here. We're in verse 40 of John 11. We now want to go to verse 43. And in verse 43, we read, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. So Jesus is basically calling the dead to life, 
Calling the Dead to Life. And hopefully you see that not only do you have the immediate application of this, he is calling Lazarus from the dead to life. But that's what he's going to do at the rapture of the church. That it says that there's going to be a trumpet sound, a shout, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Uh, For instance, if you look in the book of Revelation at Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, when John is called up to heaven to see the events of Revelation and to be able to write about it, it says, come up here. So it's the same thing. He's calling him to to heaven, come up here. When the two witnesses in in Revelation chapter 11 uh, are killed by Satan, God allows them to be killed because their testimony has been completed Um, They lie in the streets for three and a half days, and then they are resurrected. They stand on their feet, and a voice from from heaven says, come up here. So we see this command from the Son of God to bring uh, life to a dead person. So it's a type and shadow, if you will, of the rapture we find here, right here in John chapter 11. He says, if you have faith, you will see this. You will see the glory of God when he uses his glorious power that only God has to raise a person from death unto life. Okay, so we want to answer a a question now from a listener. So we'll pick up again in um, following. We'll finish up with John chapter 5 in our next program. Uh, in this series, but now we want to answer a question from a listener in Bristol, and that question is, when does God judge mankind for its unbelief? Is it at the great white throne judgment described in Revelation 20, verse 11? All right, so when is mankind judged for its unbelief? So that's a specific judgment, and he's asking, or whoever it is, this listener in Bristol is asking, is it at the great white throne? So let's go to Revelation chapter 20, the last book of your Bible, and let's see if uh, we can learn anything from reading verse 11 of chapter 20 to help answer the listener in Bristol's question. Revelation 20 verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne with him who sat on it, and we understand him to be Jesus the judge, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And just for context, let's go ahead and finish this out. Um, And I saw the dead, the great and the small, verse 12, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Then this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So there's our background. So how you answer this question uh, from the Bible depends on which mankind you're referring to that's being judged for its unbelief, the living or the dead. So let's address the living mankind first. And by living, I mean those who are alive at the second coming of Jesus to the earth. 
There are two groups of people on the earth today, according to the Bible, the Jews and the Gentiles. And at Jesus' second coming, Jesus will judge each of these two groups separately. Those that are counted by Jesus as righteous from those two groups will walk into the millennial kingdom on earth immediately. Those that are counted as unrighteous from the Jews and the Gentiles will be killed and their spirits sent to hell waiting for that great white throne judgment we just read about in Revelation 20. So the Jews, you got Jews and Gentiles, the Jews living on the earth at the second coming of Christ will be judged according to Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20. And let's go to Ezekiel chapter 20 just to get a flavor for what's going on there because it's the uh, clearest passage about God's, or in this case, Jesus' judging of the Jews when he comes back at his second coming. In Ezekiel chapter 20, it's right, uh, right before you get into the minor prophets. So if you find Hosea as a minor prophet, back up to the left past Daniel to Ezekiel and go to chapter 20, and we read in chapter 20, uh, it actually starts in verse 33, but let's go down to verse 36. As I entered into judgment with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so I will enter into judgment with you, declares the Lord. I will make you pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. And I will purge from you the rebels and those who transgress against me. And I will bring them out of the land where they sojourn, but they will not enter the land of Israel. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. So he's going to judge Israel at the end of uh, the tribulation period, at the second coming of Christ. And he's going to judge them in the wilderness, and he's going to separate out, if you will, they will die. Um, separate out those Jews who are considered the rebels and those who transgress against me. Then in verse 40 of Ezekiel 20, those that are counted as righteous, he says, For on my holy mountain, on the high mountain of Israel, declares the Lord God, there the whole house of Israel, all of them will serve me in the land. There I will accept them, and there I will seek your contributions and the choicest of your gifts with all your holy things." So those that are counted as righteous, that they're the only ones that are left, so they are in that heading, all of them, they will serve me in the land. So they all will be righteous at that point. So those that are unrighteous of the Jews will be in hell waiting to be judged at the great white throne a thousand years later, and the righteous will enter into the kingdom. Now the other group on earth at the time of the second coming are the Gentiles, and they're, um, they're judged in Matthew 25, Matthew 25, and that's verses 31 to 46. So it, it talks about in verse 31 of Matthew 25 that Jesus is sitting on his glorious throne. So we know that he's now down on earth, sitting on his throne in Jerusalem, and he's, and he's brought the uh, Gentiles together, and that's a rather long passage, but it talks about separating them between the the sheep and the goats, the sheep being those that are counted as righteous, and the goats those counted as unrighteous. The goats, it says, are are cast out uh, the same as the Jews that were unrighteous, and they die, and their spirits are sent to hell awaiting the great white throne judgment. The righteous, though, 
go into the uh, the kingdom along with the righteous Jews. So they are the people, the Jews and the Gentiles, all righteous that are living in the millennial kingdom at its beginning. The church, of course, is in its glorified body and will be ruling and reigning over those people during the millennial kingdom. So then there's the, uh, the final judgment of the unbelievers, and that final judgment includes all of those unbelievers that have been waiting for judgment. And that goes all the way back to Cain, who killed Abel. Those are the, the uh, sons of Adam and Eve back in Genesis chapter 4. And going forward, um, and all of those till the end of the millennial kingdom. So basically, the 6,000 years from the Garden of Eden until the end of the millennial kingdom, or to the second coming and then the millennial kingdom, so 7,000 years um, of time, all of the unbelievers that ever lived will be resurrected, as it says in Revelation chapter 20. And uh, those uh, will found that will find that their name is not in the book of life, and therefore they will stand before the throne of God and will be judged for their unbelief. And at that point, they'll be thrown into what's called the lake of fire. That's the second death. That's the final place of all unbelievers for eternity. Uh, and that's the judgment uh, that we read about in Revelation chapter 20, uh, 11 through 15. And it's also in Revelation 21. Let's go to Revelation 21 to finish this up. This is the final judgment. So all of the unbelievers of all time will be judged and thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death, which is total separation from God, which will be nothing but unending torment. And it says in Revelation 21, verse 8, But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is the, uh, the final outcome for all believers. So there is a judgment of unbelievers uh, that happens at the second coming of Christ. To help answer the, the uh, listener from Bristol, they're, they're judged for their unbelief, they're judged, but they are sent to hell which is a place where people go in unbelief waiting for the resurrection. Yes, they are resurrected just like the church, but they're resurrected to judgment, and they are taken from that great white throne and then thrown into the lake of fire along with Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, and they will be in torment forever. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air. Thank you for joining us on today's Exploring Bible Prophecy. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.